0: know your customers early on, really, really get to know your customers, do the hard yards with your customers, get in customers, it's early, early on, and just tell them openly, I'm thinking about developing this. Would you like to be on board in terms of giving me feedback and don't choose all the nice ones that are saying yes, 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 yes.
1: Welcome to the Startup West podcast. This is episode number 71 and my name is Brodie
2: McCulloch. And I'm Danelle Cross. The Startup West podcast is all about startups, entrepreneurs and innovators who have been there and done it or are right here and doing it in sunny Western Australia. We also have some new sponsors. So firstly, we'd like to thank SpaceCubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn.
1: On this episode, we talk to Annie Brox, the founder of Orego, an ag tech business that recently won both a Boosting Female Founders Grant, of one of only three in WA, as well as an accelerating commercialization grant in 2019 for her farm-based IoT platform and devices business. So welcome, Annie. Uh, can you tell us a bit about Origo? Uh, you know, how it started, the why, why did you start it up, and what's really driving you?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's um, really good to be here. Um, it's a bit of a story. Um, I started, my family started in farming many, many generations ago in, in Germany and in Norway. Quite, quite, um, marginal uh, agriculture in a different way mm. than we got in Australia. Uh, visiting some friends in in Perth, I got to to visit some of friends of theirs in Candadin. Oh, right, yeah. Up in uh, up in the wheat belt. Yeah, yeah. And driving through the wheat belt, it was really got to me that uh, the scale of it. I've seen it from a plane and knew that it was um, basically large agricultural areas. But again, driving through and see basically the scale of agriculture here basically was qu- quite quite um, quite something. And then I met an, a farmer in in Cundedin, M- Malcolm Malcolm Fullwood, and he'd been starting off with quite sort of advanced methods quite early, quite early. But he told me about. His, his challenges and why, why he was doing things. It was very manual. I had, we had a look at his machines, which were kind of size-wise different from what we've seen in Europe, like mm. 10 times bigger. And um, it, it got to me that um, data to, to, to understand information, to understand what's going on and being able to do, make decisions based on firm data is really an, an issue. Mm. It was very manual for him to basically get the information and also process information and get it into the farm machines. Mm. So um, that was simmering back on my mind for a, a couple of years. And we did some projects for uh, DFIS, Fire Emergency Services. And through that project, we met some farmers in Geraldton and around uh, in the Midwest area. And um, I think that's one of the things that has is, is been good for us and good for me. Um, I know how, coming from a farming background, communicating with the customers, understanding what they need, what they want, is really, really key. And um, uh, I remember meeting Don Heitman in, in Mingenu. Uh, he's been farming for 42 seasons or something mm. at a time. And I suddenly realized that uh, technology in farming is not something that's bound to, to generations, but bound to if you want to be in agriculture in the future. Mm. Because uh, it's going to be more scale. It needs to be more sustainable. Mm. It needs to be uh, coming to grips with, with carbon. Uh, but again, then you need to be able to make decisions in your farming system at scale, yeah, and I mean scale. Uh, this is where basically, when you're sitting in a city and looking at like different podcasts or or different YouTube videos, and oh, what what is is is, is farming, right? And 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 you're seeing gardeners and that sort of stuff. And we in, in Western Australia, we are exporting and feeding many billions of people. Mm we have to remember that this is the scale we're talking about. Without WA, it would have been famines in parts of the world, right? Mm. And we need to to farm, to scale, and then we need data-driven decisions to make sure that we can get better soils, that we can make use of the the rainfall we're getting, and also being able to manage... um, a climate that's going to change, and a climate that's been varying a lot. Mm. And as Don Heitman was saying, through my time, I've seen it changing from the the winter rains coming from the north northwest to to being very variable and getting into grips with this is going mm. to be so important. Mm.
2: So you had these early conversations yes. and you obviously identified, you know, problems. How did you go about setting up Aurigo?
0: And uh, that's a good one too. And you're smiling right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're smiling. It's, it's quite funny. Um, I got to meet these these farmers through um, the work that we did with DFIS. And um I started a business in, in Norway in, in 1998 and with some eight very talented um, engineers. And I was so lucky that I could sell my business uh, in 2002, 2003 mm-hmm. to a far, big international. So when I went around, I basically were able to do what be my own angel investor mm. and also work with uh, six Farms across WA from Esperance in the south to, at the time, to Mingenu in the north. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some very good farmers on board through friends and contacts. Uh, Brad Jones in Tamin, which is quite a known character in WA and, and also Australian agriculture. Uh, um, Rob soul from Wongan Hills, which is also quite a character in, 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 in WA agriculture. And... And through these six farms, I would call them what I call a reference farms. They were part of developing the products, developing the concept, developing the products, how it should look like. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's how it really started from a little spark. We're talking mm-hmm. from two to, to, with, with yeah. David Full, uh, with Fullwood, but now I got a bigger group of of farmers on board, and now they're also investors. Mm. So I've got quite a few, like around 10 farmer investors from W Agriculture,
1: mm.
0: and that's shaping what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So they're on my board. We've we got the governance. I've got very experienced people around me. They're basically rooted, well-rooted, sitting. It's mm. a foundation in agriculture mm. in Australia. Terrific. Yeah, great. Mm. And I
1: think so, Arago the you know you've got your platform you've got hardware mm. um, then services as well it'd be great to find out more about yeah the business itself and yes. how the progress has yes. um, been because yeah I think great having customers as investors as well that's mm. always really handy mm-hmm. but yeah, you can tell us more about Origo
0: so when we started off we we did like everybody else we imported some stuff from from Europe some technology from Europe. And testing on these six farms, right? And it was um, we come to basically conclusion quite quickly that it was not fit for purpose. It was really not fit for purpose. so um we we suddenly realized that we we have to develop a platform that's fit for purpose, that can really be used in agriculture. and And that was a big, big leap. But now we we own our technology. We've developed the circuit boards. It's down to that level. It's really, truly Australian manufacturing developed here. We're making the platform. So we're not depending on um, anybody in US or Europe. We, we're basically making the systems from bottom up. The second part was, of course, the software. and And it's been... I got very talented people on board. Uh, Andre Romante is one of them. He's uh, been the software architect behind the scenes and, and done all that piece. Uh, and also this uh, iterative process in terms of developing the software in contact with the cu- mm. customers, yeah. being able to make sure that it fits its fits for purpose. And we found out pretty early that it needs to be uh, start simple. Mm. Start simple, trying to make it too complicated because if you're looking at the farming system, how they make decisions now, that it's changing, yes. But get the most important information like rainfall distribution, the, the most important bits for their farming system in their hands. That's what we are starting off with. And and um, then we got a lot of stuff that's come on, uh, which is, of course, manufacturing, and um, we've taken uh, the Toyota production system mm. principles to heart. It's what's called shared parts buckets. All to- many Toyota models have got the same parts, and they're keeping the cost down, they're simplifying the production. And so that's been really important for us. So for instance, all our devices share the same solar solar panel. Mm. share the same electronics. It can interface with a whole range of sensors and also control things in the field, but it's based on the same electronics. So so it, it, it's a modular and quite flexible approach that's taken quite a lot of effort mm. uh, to and
2: efficient, develop. Yes. And efficient, yeah. yeah. Mm. And what about your challenges? Can you talk us through, you know, you've had the business for six, seven years now, your challenges throughout that time in building, mm. you know, a really substantial business here in WA. It's,
0: I, I think, an observation also coming here and, and comparing it to to the, the capital situation in Europe. Is um, it's it's quite easy to get capital to start businesses here, and I was lucky to basically I could my business myself I could be my own angel investor Mm. I had uh, investors on board that were part of the industry quite early on Mm. and um, I would say the uh, um, the um, Accelerate Commercialization funding Mm
1: -hmm.
0: has been really really good for us because it means meant that we could focus on the technology and do the technology development for the next stage right because the, the the challenge here with technology development is that it's you can't just develop something and stop. It's impossible. Then 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 you're dead in the water within a few years. And you have to look ahead. And and we all, we could do focus on develop really key develop, development while the um, first period of the COVID was basically in mm-hmm. full force. And that was really good for us. Um now with the, the next level of funding, we can go full tilt of, across Australia. So it's for, for right. going across Australia. The challenge is this is basically the next step. Mm. And I think it's, it's harder to get the, the B round type funding mm-hmm. uh, in, in Australia than I saw overseas. Right. Because the investors here, they're used to investing in resources, in, in property, in, in those kind of things. You don't have the uh, environment here where you've got technology investors that are taking B round, which is $10 mm. million yep. plus, to go full tilt to take, basically get a big market share in like a domestic market or go international. Then you need cornerstone investors. And I think... That's, that's, that's an observation and, and basically getting those cornerstone investors that I think that's something, if we're going to build manufacturing capabilities in Australia, we need investors that are doing investments beyond property and, and resources sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's a, a, a big challenge.
1: Can you tell us a bit about how the business has gone over the last few years? Uh, so your team, how it's grown?
0: Yes. Um... The, the um, as I said, the COVID has been an interesting challenge mm-hmm. because uh, in agriculture they've had logistics issues and give, getting tractor ties, mm-hmm. right? The simple stuff. So uh, we, we've been focusing on development, making sure that we can basically get to the next level. And in in that one, there, the accelerated conversation has been really, really good, as I said. The, the, uh, now we've seen with the last sort of half year since we came out of the sort of the, the lockdown. Um it's been growing quite a bit. And especially now with the last really good harvest. We've had a fantastic mm. harvest in WA. Um we got um a lot of customers coming in. So we're cranking up production quite substantially, and also we're getting interest from, from over east. I think Word of mouth is really, really important for us. And getting the word out through our customers has been really, really good. Mm. So for us now, it's about scale. Mm. It's about scaling up production to make sure we can cover from several hundred units per month to around thousand and more units per month. That's going to be a big step up. Mm. We've been Having really good people on board, but we also, we are using this sort of modern type. Uh, we we are using different kind of websites where you can get freelancers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's been really good. So we've been using competencies from across uh, Australia, uh, overseas, when we really can't get anybody mm. uh, locally. So we got a guy in Canada doing some candy cam for us. We've got people on the East Coast doing um, crop modeling and that sort of stuff. It is is, um, truly a team, both Australia-wide and also here. We've got around 10 10 to 12 people here. Uh, Production is uh, built around a a core team. But then again, the the important thing with manufacturing is that you can get people in that basically are trained in really small, specific tasks. And and you you we we're building now slowly a team of people that basically are doing uh, assembly, basically pure assembly, mm, a so, real distributed workforce, which yes, is exactly
2: you know, what we should Where be building. Where the world's heading, yeah, yeah. In this environment, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Where are you based, Annie? Where so in Bibra Lake? In Bibra Lake, yes. And your manufacturing is yeah. in Bibra Lake as well. Terrific, absolutely, terrific. Absolutely. And your vision for the next five years for arego so. Uh, we're planning to go
0: international, mm. which is a, a big challenge. Mm. Um we we're we're looking for and we're trying to not stress but we need to get like a um a be a cornerstone investor on board mm-hmm. that basically got our vision. Um it it's um we're hoping to get some Australian investors on board, but we're still now in discussions with a Canadian investor, potential investor, mm. with a, um, a Malaysian slash UK investor, with a, a an American investment group. Um, so it is about having the, the foundation mm. for the next step, mm. which is going to be a lot of work. But my philosophy is a bit old school. You have to do your home market first, focus on a... a Key number of market verticals, for us it's been broadacre and livestock and mixed livestock and broadacre, uh, that's been really good. And I think taking these market steps, uh, taking the market step by step, has mm. been really important. So going across Australia is now what we're going to do this year. Yeah. And then the next step is is going international, which is say a big one because then you can't do all the manufacturing here. You have sure. to have the key functions here, mm. and then you have to distribute the some of the, the assembly functions across where the markets you're going into. Mm. Which is
2: um, the next challenge. That's a
0: big challenge. Yeah. Yes. All mm.
2: right. And we would love to thank our sponsors. A podcast like this does not happen without them. Our sponsors are SpaceCubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn. Well, perhaps now we might take you through your early life, through your schooling and career to, that brings you to uh, where we are now. Um, so you, where were you born and... Um, you know what were your early sort of schooling <laughs> time period looked like so um
0: I, I was born in, in Nuremberg in in Germany mm-hmm. uh, but we moved to to Norway to Trondheim very early on and um my my aunt and uncle uh, was running a farm in in, uh, in the middle of Norway there in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> and they—they uh, they, um, there was a mixed farming operation, quite tra- traditional. But my uncle, he—he he was a very analytical person. He was also a bank manager, and my aunt was a really part of running the operation. I think that's shaped a lot of my my choices Perfect. later. Mm. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm a biologist. Uh, so I got a degree in, in uh, biology and computer science. Um, and I think I was one of the first that basically took some of those degrees uh, in the university there uh, because it was really early on. Mm. And mm. I think my my, my I, I suddenly realised at the time I just took it because it's, it looked fancy. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: It was different. <laughs> different, different? Yeah. It was different. Yes. It was different. Yes. That's, that's quite interesting. <laughs> yes. right, let's
0: try this one. Um, I couldn't even log in. I didn't understand <laughs> how to log into the system what what is this uh anyway um it, I think using technology in biology mm. was was really my my first st- starting point so i I was involved in making what's called geographic information system systems for for sort of reindeer tracking and uh, bears and wolves and that sort of stuff. So taking telemetry data and combining it with vegetation data, for instance. And that was really got me into mm. this whole kind of thinking around how can we use uh, I- technology to understand nature. Mm. Amazing. Uh, then I'd, um, I was uh, basically headed under- into the United Nations Environment Programme. From UNI? No, from from I, I did first. Mm. I did some work with a, 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 an institute in Norway that's mm-hmm. a, an, in the nature research, mm-hmm. and then secondly, I basically after two two three years, I started in uh, the United Nations Environment Program. Right, and it was all about uh, looking at data for um, climate change, land land use change, deforestation. I've been working with some of these IPCC climate models. Um, And I I can say that I've been (laughs) in depth working with NASA and ESA, uh, European Space Agency, Mm -hmm. uh, scientists around these topics, which is really, really complicated and Mm, complex issues. Fascinating. Yeah. The one thing I could say is that climate change has been something that's been there forever with and without humans. Mm. I think what we have to realize is that nature will always change with or without us. And humans just have to learn to adapt and understand how environments change. And I think that's one of the big, yes, we're doing something wrong, I think, in terms of pumping out a lot of carbon, But at the same time, there will be other things that will be happening and we have to be much more adaptable. Adaptable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that means that our agriculture need to understand changes much better and change the farming systems before it's too late. Mm. Before we're just like getting season after season where we can't do anything because that will be just a catastrophe, right? So, yeah, that's sort of my story. And then I went into technology for a while. Pure technology, mm. internet technology, was mm. like in the late nineties, the the early two thousands, uh, and then I worked for a large telco for some years in in management, and um, a, yeah, quite quite a broad broad. Well, so ahead of your time, <laughs> your yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. curiosity, of the curve, yeah, yeah. is amazing. <laughs> right? I
2: love so it. A, I love it. It's been a long time. So, what me. brought you to Australia? Um, I know you. You talked about yes. those early conversations. Yeah. but What actually brought you so, here? To so
0: Perth? I, I had, um, I made some wonderful friends in the United Nations, mm. across, and some very nice uh, Australian friends. Mm. Um, I've been working for a big international telco for some years. So I was a bit sick and tired of, t- of corporate life, so I had some sort of sabbaticals, taking some six months off. Uh, Two years that I basically just was want to figure out what I'm going to do. And I traveled and visited Australia with on some and then I also came over here to Perth because why not? I'd <laughs> like to see how it looks like and made some friends here. Mm. And um I've been also been in sports, so I've got some bad knees. I've been in volleyball. I'm pretty tall. So I've been in volleyball for quite some years. Yeah. And this climate it's oh, perfect. it was nice. It was yeah. really nice. <laughs> so um, they didn't tell me about the winters. Anyway.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Lucky us. Yes. Lucky us. So anyway,
0: so so yeah, after a couple of years and then suddenly, yes, why not give it a try? <laughs> mm.
1: So mm. with all of that experience you've had, um, mm. what advice would you give to Perth startups having started, you know, a, a software and a hardware business in Perth <laughs> essentially?
0: Mm. It's, it's um, get to know your, your customers early mm-hmm. on. Really, really get to know your customers. Do the hard yards with your customers. Get in customers. It, it's early, early on. And just tell them openly, I'm thinking about developing this. Would you like to be on board in terms of giving me feedback and don't choose all the nice ones that are saying yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Get some. So that's been important for me as well as to get some some conservative old style farmers and some cutting edge farmers. So get a broad customer base to help you understand, and that'll take some time to to get in with them and get to understand what and how it could fit and And I think that, that that that's really an important part of this 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 how how you're starting a business uh, and do not believe uh, or'm I'm, I'm getting every week like two to three emails and contacts from LinkedIn, et cetera et etc. We can help you with marketing mm-hmm. and sales and understanding your, your businesses. You can get you hundreds of customers. You do not understand your customers if you get somebody and you pay somebody else to interact with your customers. It, it it's
2: it's going there is really really important. Mm, that's critical. Mm. Really great advice for all startups. Mm. So thank you Annie. Should we move into our quick fire round? Are yes, you ready? Absolutely. Are you ready? All right, I'll kick it off for you. What's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? Realizing that it's a
0: marathon. Mm-hmm. It's not it's, a sprint.
2: Yeah.
1: No, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, if you were to wave a magic wand over the over the local startup scene, uh, what would you wish into being or would you like to see happen?
0: I, I think I think it's important to to get some some um, some more in-depth kind of cooperation between the science part of it, like the universities. And, and the startup scene um and get because it's for for science it's about papers, writing papers and getting good scientific papers. but um, if you're going to get it into startups, you really have to be able to play. Between them, so if there could be some more funding in that sense, it would be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. They're tied up in in some government programs and GDC, and from from my point of view, and if there's, then then it's really hard to go from science to development here. It mm-hmm. is, yeah.
2: And lots of conversations happening mm-hmm. at the moment in exactly yes. that. Mm. Who do you admire the most in the local tech scene—a company or a person?
0: Um I think Agworld with Dogfitch mm-hmm. is is quite quite yeah. uh, he's done something that's really impressive I think Yeah agreed
1: And how can anyone who's listening help you with where you're heading next
0: <laughs> Um I think it's we we would like to go we need cornerstone investors mm. And anybody that knows Somebody that could be in that kind of, uh, be an interest, just just pure interest or have some contacts. Because as I said, it's really hard to find, there's no, nobody that's basically got that focus, right? And I'm Mm -hmm. talking across Australia, it's very, very few. Mm. And, um... It would be good to to get to know or or yeah some someone that know someone the connection or, to. Or, yeah mm. connection to. or, or an introduction or, even better. yeah absolutely because mm. um, that that's that's the challenge for us yeah mm.
2: and the last one which is really important for a, you know a rapidly growing startup what do you do to get away from it all what do you do to relax and refresh <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: um. Um, I'm. I've always been doing photography. My my um, my father taught me to do manual old style photography, mm. right? And and sort of freezing the moment in terms of landscapes and nature and people mm-hmm. is really something that I find really calming. Um, so that that's been something that's really been I'm always been coming back to. Wonderful. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, just, oh, that's uh, fabulous.
2: really nice. Thank you so Thank much, you. Annie. Thank you, Annie. Yeah, yeah it's really been fabulous great. to hear your stories and find out more about, you know, you and, and your rapidly growing business. And we wish you all the very best. We're super excited <laughs> that you're building and, and scaling right here um, from Perth. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And also thanks to our sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and Tech On. And we recorded this podcast at Riff Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth in Western Australia.
1: Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite podcast platform. Um, when Then you'll be able to get the latest great episodes as they come out. And we'd love to hear from you, so please leave a review.
2: Thank you.